broadcast. This is your emergency broadcast system. You are listening to the hashtag This with the Beer podcast. Business that you never heard before. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be Good afternoon, good morning, good evening. I guess it depends when you stream and where you're streaming this from. Welcome to another episode of the Business Podcast that is authentic, shameless, unapologetic, and raw. This is the hashtag BizWithTheBeard podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to witness the greatest happening in sport. Pepper needs new shorts. Oh. Business as you've never heard before. I'm your host, the guy who believes beers don't make you smarter, but instead smart men grow beards. I am the beard, Curfee Smith. Don't act like you're not impressed. And joining me today is an individual that's probably the most badass guest we've ever had on the show. And we've had some pretty badass guests. But how badass is she? Let's just say she not only breaks glass ceilings, she is smashing glass slippers. And I didn't come up with that one. Her accomplishments are outstanding and plentiful. Our guest today is well-known in the game of football as a player and a coach. Her amazing career in women's football includes two gold medals with Team USA, four world championships, and eight all-star selections. While playing football, she obtained her Ph.D. in psychology and a master's in sports psychology, as well as having a B.S. in business from Boston College. She was the head coach of the first Australian women's national team. She is on the advisory board of the Pro Football Hall of Fame's Game for Life Academy. She wrote the book, Play Big, Lessons in Living Limitless. She is the first female to coach in the NFL as an assistant linebackers coach with the Arizona Cardinals. Prior to that, she was the first female to play running back in men's pro football with the Texas Revolution. She founded Gridiron Girls. Did I say that right? Is that grid? Do I do need to draw it out? Yeah, fine. Okay. The Gridiron Girls flag football camps. For girls partnering with Adidas. She took her story digital by partnering with, with Toya to develop a series of Minecraft worlds titled Coach Jen. My kids think that's totally cool. She's the first female coach to appear in the popular football game Madden. In 2019, she returned to men's professional football by joining the coaching staff of the Atlanta Legends as a defensive specialist. Her message is widely acclaimed and speaks to audience from global enterprising companies, top performing schools, brand nonprofits, and professional sports teams. She doesn't have a beard, but damn it, I bet she could grow one. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Jen Walter, welcome to the hashtag Biz with the Beard podcast. Hey, you know, um, thankfully makeup can do a whole lot of things, but I'm really not that hairy a person, so I'm gonna pass on. Uh, I'm gonna pass on on hey, the beard. I'll, I will I, take the odd, honorary one. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what, though. I mean, look at your accomplishments. If anybody can tell you can't do anything, I'm not gonna tell you, you can't do it because you probably couldn't do it. That's why I'm going to this. I mean, no one's gonna tell you can't. I know. I'm just kidding with you. That's why I said makeup can do a whole lot of things, but I'm I'm gonna pass on the beard. Thankfully, I'm just not that hairy a person, and yeah. I'm okay with that. Unfortunately, I am. Um, and that <laughs> well, intro. We all have our special things. That's right. right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Growing beards and knowing things. If I had a beard, then you know those firsts wouldn't really be as as outstanding, yeah, right? But, yeah, yeah. You're right there, man. But that intro was all you, and I had the easy job of just basically reading it. And impressive doesn't even begin to describe what you've accomplished. I mean. I thought it was long overdue and historic when I heard earlier this week that UPS finally allowed facial hair. But damn, you are the goat of breaking glass ceilings or smashing glass slippers. I love that saying. So is it Dr. Jen or Coach Jen? Which do you prefer? Um, you know, it depends on who you're asking, right? Like, I am a coach. I'm a doctor. Um, what do you want me to call you yeah. today? Just Jen. It's fine. Jen's fine? Okay. Okay. Well, I want to pay your respect. You've earned it. Um after reviewing all your accomplishments, and again, they make my ability to grow a kick-ass beard pretty minuscule, I have to believe there has to come some significant influence or story as a child um, that helped mold you who you are today. Can, can you tell us about your childhood, the sports you played, and what influences or specific experiences helped mold who you are today and everything that you've accomplished? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think I was a a pretty 
quirky little kid and that I've been very just self-directed um, and curious, right? Like I think curiosity is probably one of my one of my best assets. If I was curious about it, I wanted to figure it out and I wanted to be good at it. Um, I come from a very small family. Um, and so growing up, it was really just my sister, my mom and my dad, and then my Nana, my dad's mom was close too. But I have one, one aunt, one uncle, no first cousins. Um, and now I have a brother-in-law and a niece and nephew. So just a really tight, small family. And my dad is a Vietnam veteran. So he's a, he's a legit war hero with like two silver stars and, oh, well, a silver star and two bronze stars. And then my mom is like, you know, it's kind of like he was in the jungle and she brought him into humanity, right? And always right. made him connected to it. She's an artist, um, could find beauty and connection anywhere in the world. And so growing up, it was like, you know, I had this hero dad and and this mom who always made sure that he was connected and right. that there was, you know, just this love and beauty around us. I, I say she could like, create beauty out of out of anything and see it in anyone right but my dad would tell these stories of like you know being in the war and me as a kid I just have a storytelling mind so I would kind uh-huh. of like you know fill in the blanks and I developed just this code I think of of how you how you're supposed to be in the world right like I, one of them, he always used to say to us was like, you know, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough, right? Like you got right, yourself yeah. into it, you better figure a way out. Right. And so to me, like, I think that was almost like the equivalent of Ricky Bobby. If you're not first, you're last. Yeah. 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 Right. Like, because when I told my dad <laughs> that situationally later, he'd be like, Jenny, that's ridiculous. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you know, when they were in the movie and he's like, well, that's, that's stupid. That's not true. And you're like, but wait, I've, 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 I've gotten myself out of a whole lot of stuff because of that. Because and, of that, right? yeah. you know, I mean, like, even there's a story of me when I was a kid, we grew up on boats, right? We love fishing. Fishing okay. formed a lot of my, a lot of my mentality, right? There wasn't, there wasn't like a pink pole for the little fish. Right. And like a blue, a blue pole, like the boys are over here and the girls are right. over here. Um, You know, you've got, you've got minnows and they get marlins like that wasn't the case it was like next 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 angler up and you want the big fish and you either catch it or you don't and the fish is not gonna like lay down and get caught just because you're a girl right right? like and you know i caught my first blue marlin when i was 14 so you know it wasn't really differentiated but we had boats and you know, there was a, you know, when you have something like that, to me, there's a lot of pride. And so my dad always like made it clear that the little boat was my boat. So it was my responsibility. And we were coming back from the Bahamas at one point and um, we were running from a storm, literally trying to get away from a, you know, a tornado or I'm sorry, a hurricane. Um, the seas are eight to 10, you know, it's, it's big, big adventure, big seas. And the little boat breaks off. Oh, wow. Um, and you know, that was my boat. I'm 18. I think about at that time. So I was like a senior in high school. That was my boat. So what do you do? I mean, I jumped in the water. No way. And went to go get my boat. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Like, and meanwhile, my dad, was like up top because the other one had GPS and he was like, Oh my goodness. Right? Like, <laughs> my daughter just jumped into eight to 10 foot seas. What is she thinking? Right. And so I swam over to the boat and I got on it and I'm like, you know, turn the engine on. And then I see my dad jumping in the water and I'm like, what is why is he jumping? Yeah. Right. What's he doing? <laughs> I got this under control. I got this. And so the two of us ended up, driving the little boat back. And he was like, Jenny, what was that? And I was like, Hey dad, 
you said it was my boat and now we're both in it. So if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough because now they're in the bigger boat. So it's a little bit smoother and we're in this smaller boat, which I'm going to talk about tough, right? Like it's a six hour run from the Bahamas. We were a few hours in, but, um, it was so rough that the boat had hit and it had shaken loose something in like the electrical. So the steering wheel was literally shocking us as we're driving. Thankfully, like not major shocks, like electrocution style, but literally we're like, you feel the buzz. um, (laughs) Yeah. But you know, this is how I was as a kid, just very matter of fact, like this is what you do. Um, You know, I mean, same thing, like, dad would tell his stories in the army. And I remember being like, dad, we're like, were you, were you scared when people were trying to kill you? And he was like, no, I was mad. They were trying to kill my friends. So when I got into football, it was like, I'm not scared of anybody. Like I'm going to protect my teammates. And, you know, just those foundational things I think I carried with me. Um, But at the same time, there was a lot of, a lot of time for this crazy mind of mine to, um, to develop these things. Right. Right, And like, it wasn't like my dad was like, Oh, what are you working on right now, Jenny? And you know, let me guide you through that. Like that wasn't, that wasn't how he functioned. Um, and so I really had to be a lot, this self-directed, kid who pulled my stories from those around me and just worked to get good at stuff. And I think you see that in what I've done um, in my life is that it was kind of like, okay, well. Well, it's an extreme. We're going to figure it out. And it's an extreme amount of confidence. I mean, mean, that's what it takes. I mean, the confidence to jump in the water, right? You just, that's what you did. You just did. You had that confidence just to do it. It wasn't like you second guess. I don't even know it. if it was, look, I don't even know if it was confidence or just not knowing any other way to do it. Right. Right. Like there's it wasn't no like, fear. There's just no right. fear. Well, it was just, this is what you do. Right. Like that's why I say it was, it was a code because I, I didn't really think about it any other way. Wow. Right. Like it wasn't, you know, I mean, my dad even used to say like, Bravery isn't, you know, it's acknowledging fear and and going forward anyway. Well, I mean, you don't really have a choice in some situations. I guess that one did. But I'm like, dad in the army, you didn't have any choice. And he's like, nope, either keep going or you get dead. Yep. Right. You're kind of like, all right, well, I I don't want to get dead. So I, I guess I'm going to keep going. And, you know, I think life, even if it's not life or death is, is kind of the same thing, right? Like, you know, you can be, you can be a living dead, right? right. Like absolutely. in that you're just rooted in, in the day to day. Yep. Nine to five tells us what society tells you need to be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. Right. Instead of oh, doing yeah. what I, makes you I'm happy. Terrible right? at that. I, yeah. I don't, I, I had one, well, I had real jobs. Don't get me wrong, but more as a contractor and an innovator, even in that, um, in my own hustle. But I had, I think it was one corporate job ever. Um, and it was, it didn't go well, huh? Well, you know, it was my first job out of college and I was a headhunter. Um, and I was at it five months and I was really good at it. Um, but I just found it really like, like I looked at the people who were around me and they were making tons of money and that was all that motivated them. And I was bored. I was like, okay, I'm really good at this, but I hate it. And I told my mom, I felt like I was dying a little bit each day because there had to be something else for me that could not be it. Um, And so when I made my first football team, I literally quit. And that was it. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, that's it. And I'd been teaching aerobics since I was in, um, in high school. And so I decided I needed to restructure my life so that I could afford to play football because there was not, um, that was not an actual like option. Right. Um, 
And so, you know, I just needed to restructure my life to be able to create a way to be able to do everything that I needed to do to be great in football and also pay my bills. Let's talk about this transition into football because as a kid, I think I read somewhere that you were a really good soccer player, right? And mm-hmm. you transferred to playing rugby. Was it in college? Is that when you transferred mm-hmm. to playing rugby? Okay. So, yeah, and I was a really good tennis player before any of that's those. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I do yeah. remember seeing that too. So what was it that made you transition to football? And what was the moment you realized that you know football is the game for you? And like you said, to get back into it. Um, You know, I didn't have an opportunity to play. Um, I always loved football. I grew up in a football town. It was like, you know, a way of life. Right. Um, you know, we were Friday. So night you wanted night. to play? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? And, and you yeah. Just, no I one gave you the opportunity, so you just played. Play. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, it was kind of like, um, I tell people it was like an unrequited love, right? It was like that crush that you always hope will pay attention to you and they just like don't even know you're alive. That's um, all those. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that was football to me, right? Yeah. It wasn't like I, I pined away at it every day and like, you know, went and stood by its locker, but it was like, man, that's like the superhero sport, right? It's like right. gladiators to me. Yeah. And I just wanted to do it, but I, I didn't have an opportunity. And um, so when I got to college, I saw rugby for the first time. I'd never even seen rugby before. And I was like, this is the dopest sport in the world. Like they're that's kind a different of like mentality, right? They tap. Well, they tackle and they don't even need pads. Right. Right. Like I was like, Oh, I'm totally doing this. And so I was all in, um, ended up playing for, you know, all four years at Boston college, got recruited for the under 23 national team. And, you know, I was a prop. So I was half the size of everybody I was going up against. I just happened to be really strong and really crazy and really well coached. Um, but I think at the national team level is when they realized that I was actually five foot two, 130 pounds. So you're only five two. Oh yeah. Really? I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Was... In my mind, you know, I'm XXL, but right. in my body, yeah, you better go ahead and you know realize yeah. it's a, you know it's an extra small. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell me about some of the obstacles and challenges you faced, you know, the criticism you know that you heard. When you told people your dreams and aspiration to break some glass ceilings in a man's game, right? And, and tell me about the mindset you need and how you you know, got to the point where you just said, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, so the first and foremost thing I would tell anybody is I never envisioned men's pro football, right? I played women's never. football and I was one of the best in the game, but they were, you know, they were separate and it wasn't like I had these, these crazy big aspirations of like one day I'll play men's pro football or one day I'll coach in the NFL like that that wasn't it I wanted to play and I wanted to be the very best and I wanted to um win a championship right like right or Super Bowl whatever you would call it we just don't you know that's only the dudes get to call it that so ours is super Super Bowl um <laughs> I guess and those were the biggest things that were allowed to really be dreamt for a woman in football, but I was always looking to push it for, for us, right? Like the first time I pitched women's football to a network was in my second year playing, uh, uh, Nancy Kerrigan's husband was pitching this new concept of an all football, all the time network. called the total football network that eventually became the NFL network. Right. So this is how long I've been like, (laughs) you know, like that just makes me sound old, but um, how long I've been looking for ways to move the needle through this game, because there were a lot of people who were playing. um, But, you know, our, our reality was that we were work by day, play football by night. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it it wasn't possible that you could like make a livelihood or any of those things in football. So I was, I think I was just yet again, like if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. Like I was like, uh, I was dumb enough to say like, 
well, well we've we read your resume. You're not dumb. That, right? Like, <laughs> but I mean dumb in that, like, you know, when they say ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Right? Like, I think, you know, I think we get ourselves in trouble, and I know I do at times, right? Like, I look back at the just bullish innocence that I had back then and, you know, how much I believed, like, if I could make one more tackle that maybe somebody would look and say, oh, my gosh, women could play, right? right? Like, yep. if I could be that good, like, that could be what it is. And now it's like I've, I've seen so many levels of stuff that it's like, oh, my gosh, like, if only it was that easy, right? right like, yeah, yeah. And, and I may not have gone for it as full crazy as I had back then if I – if I knew the levels, right, that I've right. now been exposed to of like, whether it's politics or, you know, just straight, you know, financials or all the people with best, mm -hmm. all of the things that I know now, I don't know if I would have, you know, been quote unquote dumb enough to just go so hard for so long. Right. Right. Yeah. Without having a, a legit end game. Right. Now people are women who look at the game of football can see like I could go to the NFL, right? Mm -hmm. Or I could play for the US national team or now like you know the NAIA has its first season when you could play varsity flag football, right? Like now there are a lot of reasons that you could dream on it. But back then there wasn't, yeah. There really wasn't. And I like I said I didn't I didn't see coaching because there were no women coaching. Yeah. That wasn't a thing. And so the promise I made to myself is that I would step up to all the challenges that the game put in my way. Yeah. Right. Like that, that was how simple it was. Like, because when you're at the forefront of something, you can't, it's not like you're looking at the challenges and you're like, yep, this is what I'm going to have to overcome. Here are the boxes I'm going to have to check to get to the next level. It's literally keep your feet chopping and wait for the hole to open up, right? It's cloudy. Yep. Cloudy um, clear, yeah. You know, and, and for me, I, I lovingly say um, that I've been a great fullback, which means that a lot of the times you're taking the hits and not getting mm -hmm. the hole, right? Like that you open the hole that somebody else gets to run, run through. Run through and score, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, that's, that's literally what, what I would say it would be characterized as, yeah. you know, just being stubborn and also just looking at what it meant to be a pro and taking that into things and doing things differently than other people were doing. You know, I was going to charity events um, like I was, you know, I was a pro football player too, just like the guys were. Right. And, you know, my pro was a dollar a game and yours is, you know, considerably more than that. I mean, you talk about <laughs> pay to equal work. We, we, don't even, right. we don't even enter the screen of the conversation, right? Um, so it, it was just different. It was just the mentality, right? And I was, I was marketing myself as a pro athlete. I was doing the business cards. I was literally taking every element that you could possibly think of of what it meant to be a pro and doing the best that I could to be that person. And I, I got my master's in sports psychology and my PhD because I thought, you know, that could make me a unique value proposition in this space mm -hmm. that if I could combine my practical experience being one of the best in the world with the theoretical, um, you know, backing of having that PhD, then I could do something special. Yeah. Right. A huge I, value. That's right. And, and so that was kind of what I thought um, and just, you know, had a lot of crazy adventures in the way and a, and a lot of things that just <laughs> well, quite honestly fell flat on my face with. And, well, let's know, talk about some of those crazy adventures if you have some. So, you know, as I mentioned, mentioned earlier, I mean, you were the first female football player that wasn't a kicker or a place kicker. Cause that's happened. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you played for a professionals men's team as an actual, I'm going to say kickers and punters aren't actual players, but you know what I mean? <laughs> it's contact. <laughs> right. It's contact position. Yeah. 
well, tell me how were you, when that happened, when when you got the call, how were you received by your teammates, coaches? You know, I mean, talk about like the locker room, the you know, any things. unconscious bias. I mean, how was it well received? Shoot, Shoot unconscious, no, unconscious bias. <laughs> um, it was painful. I mean, like, but the thing is. Yeah, anytime you step on the football field, like to go to a new team, like they're going to test you. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing, right? Like I used to do it in women's football. I'd be like, oh, yeah, she thinks she's good. Yep. Right. We'll see what happens when the pads get on. Like I was mean. I mean, not in a bad way, but like you're going to earn your your spot, right? Like you don't get to just step in here and own stuff, but I'll also push you in a way that makes you better, right? Like I wasn't right. pushing people to break them, but – um you know, I still have, especially like receivers who were like, man, you were the one who always saw me or like, you know, I'd teach running back things. I'd be like, dang it. I'm about to teach you how to beat me. Right. Like, right. you know, so I was, I was tough, but I would always also invest in people. So when I went onto that field, you know, they tested me and, you know, hit me and I got back up and did it again. And that's what I tell people. My claim to fame is that they didn't kill me. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, there were some that tried, but they, you know, I had a, and what year my, was this? Anyway, wait, wait. Uh, 2014. Yeah. So that's, that's really recent. So football players now, I mean, they're just monsters as compared yeah, to where they were. They were too. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, so I remember looking, I, I remember being in a restaurant with my wife and I was like, it was a Chicago restaurant. It was like a hot dog place. And they had the poster mm-hmm. of the Chicago Bears 85 Super Bowl team on there. And I looked at it, and it was really interesting because they had, like, the height and the weight of all those guys. And mm-hmm. I looked at it, and I said, none of those guys would probably make it NFL offensive line. They would never make it to the draft or combine today because they're too small. I said, everybody yeah, now on the position. line is all 300 pounds and yeah. six foot seven, and It's insane. And I, so, uh, I mean, it, that's what you were going against. That's what I'm saying. That's what you were going against. That's, I wouldn't want to go against that. That's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely insanity. Um, But, you know, that's when you learn a lot about yourself and, you know, and you learn a lot about everybody around you, right? Like once, you know, and and thankfully, you know, I had, I had guys who um, like one in particular, and, and there were actually a few who really like became my guys and we're still tight to this day because of it. But one, a moment that I'll never forget, because he was the first guy who really went out of his way to say, like, you know, you belong here, right? Or, like, I don't care if nobody else has your back, I do. I have your back, yeah. And, yeah, and that was Clinton Solomon, uh, former NFL wide receiver yeah. with the Chicago Bears. Yep. Um, Solo was my dude. Um, I mean, he said, you know, I- I've got your back. And he goes... And frankly, that makes me the smartest guy out here because that means I'm going to be in all the pictures, right? (laughs) And I was like, oh, my gosh, right? Like, um, and, and, you know, he was. But he was that number one wide receiver, that charismatic, big play, big ego, big smile, you know, emotional leader. You know, only guys like that can wear number one and do it well. I had a coach once who had a thing about number one. Like, if you were going to wear it, you better be it. Um, and he was right. Um, but he told me, he was like, this is going to be insane. Like so hard on you emotionally, physically, everything. And he's like, here's, here's what I need you to do. No matter what happens, give them nothing. Right. Because they're going to test you. And he said, if something bothers you, come tell me. And let me handle it. Let me be your champion. Because if it's just you, you will have fight after fight after fight. fight. If it's you versus us, it'll never end. And he said, but if we're together, you know, then it's different. Like if I say it as the captain, as the leader of the team, then it's different. Right. And I remember thinking like, who is this dude? Right. Like, I don't know if I trust you yet. Like, I just met you. (laughs) Uh, But I sure didn't close the door. And then one day in practice, it happened. Like, he literally was like, 
little mom, don't worry about it. I got this. I'm like, so I don't know what you got, right? Like I, I wasn't even in the same drill, right? Yeah, yeah. And he said, Coach Dub, I need some one-on-ones right now. Coach Dub was like, all right, Solo, like, huh? And Solo called out this cornerback who apparently had said, um, you know, this is, this is BS. This girl shouldn't be out here. It's crazy. Um, you know, if she comes my way, I'm going to take her out. Yeah. And so Solo said, you know, you want, you want to pick on a girl? Good. You and me, one-on-ones right now. And he called him out. He looked at the quarterback. He called the route. You know, he gave the signal for a fade. He tapped the back of his helmet and called the route out. One-handed grab, pulls that ball down, puts it in the guy's face and said, you still want to talk to a girl? Let's go again. (laughs) And he set the tone that day that she's one of us and him doing that really changed everything. I believe, Um, you know, and it became something that was a point of pride for the guys as opposed to, Oh yeah, we're that girl, but you know, she's she's terrible. She's not one of us kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the cool thing about the game of football. You know, I coach uh, a Metro Atlantic youth football league. My son plays in that. And mm-hmm. it's a sport that's just, it is, it's different than the other sports because it is, I mean, you got 11 guys on one side of the ball, each have a job and everybody has mm-hmm. to do it, but there is a camaraderie there that's just different than the other sports where you can break out and in, in a practice and the coaches allow it to happen. And because it mm-hmm. just builds a different type of, like I said, camaraderie that you just don't get in other sports, right? I mean, yeah. like basketball, right? You always have the Michael Jordan and the LeBron James, the one individual mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference. And you yeah, get that a little carry. bit in football, but not so much. I don't care, you know, who you are, man. If you are Tom Brady or whoever, if no one's blocking Shoot, for you. Tom Brady can't block for himself. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? It, you it, want it, one TB12. You don't want 11. Exactly, exactly. So it's just so different. And uh, it, it's a beautiful sport. Um, I had the opportunity to play it again because you just don't get it. I mean, back when I was, I was in high school in the eighties and nineties and that was it. If you didn't go on to play college, that's it. There's no playing anymore. The, mm-hmm. the sport, they don't pick up games at the park, right? You can't go to the, can't go to the, uh, the rec facility and, you know, pick up a game there either. It's that's it. And then recently in the last several years, I mean, you had the other, you know, the minor, professional teams and then the i had the opportunity because they have this alumni association that goes around the country and puts on these games between rival high schools and guys can put on the pads one more time and go back out there and i took that as a challenge and you know i Mm -hmm. busted my butt got in the best shape that i got it into and then i remember going to the first practice thinking okay i'm ready to do this and thinking oh shit i'm 42 years old alumni means 18, 19 years old too. <laughs> That's a big difference. Right. And, uh, but sure enough, I kept, kept at it. I was not earning, earning start, earned a starting job, played in the game. Nobody, you know, deflected two passes, made a couple tackles, you know, no reception. So we're, we're, we're done on me. So it, it, it was a great feeling, but I, you know, there was something about snapping that helmet on again and then mm-hmm. hearing your name and number called, after making a play, it was just like, wow, that, that was, no, there's fun. nothing like it. There's yeah. not another sport like it. You know, it really is the, the ultimate team sport, right? Because everybody is so different and so special and it allows, right? Like it allows for people to be good at different things and exactly. highlight differences as an advantage, not a disadvantage. Absolutely. Yeah. So best sport there is. I like rugby too, but. (laughs) So uh, we got you as a player. Now let's talk about as a coach. The Arizona Cardinals, they hired you as a linebacker coach. Tell me how you position yourself to get to that point for an interview and how did you close the deal? And and then tell me the reaction when you got the call that said you were hired. Well, you know, there's a lot to that. It would be hours to get to all of it, but. You know, after having played on the Texas Revolution, um, that is what opened the door to coaching for me. 
it caught the attention of a new head coach, Wendell Davis, former Dallas Cowboy, who came in the following year. And he saw how the guys responded to me. And he essentially mm. was like, you have to coach my football team. I said, no, girls don't see that. I'm not, I'm not coaching. He said, we know. Not a lot of guys are going to give you this opportunity. You're taking this job. And I said, no. And he hung up on me. And, or no, I hung up on him. Sorry. And the next day he called me back and told me about myself. He said, you remember how I told you not a lot of guys were going to give you this opportunity. You were taking this job. So yeah, he said, good. I took it for you. You're coaching for me. And by the way, you can't quit. Otherwise the entire narrative surrounding women coaching in men's pro football will be, we had a girl once and she quit. Uh So, you know, learn from doing, um, I ended up coaching with him, obviously, and, you know, um, really found that I had a knack for it. It went better than I probably would have expected. Um, but, you know, it's hard when you when you don't see someone doing it. Right. right. Like that is a it is that's the power of being a first, you know, and I, I tell people this. I'm like, it's it's it gives people the ability to dream on it then. Right. Like see it and say, oh, I could do that. I could take her job. Shoot. Right. I don't want to be better than her. And um, and so that's that's the real power of it. It doesn't mean that, you know, I was the only one who could do it. I just happened to be the one who was crazy enough to say yes. Right. Like right. in the position to take the opportunity and say yes to it or, you know, probably more accurate, as I said. Um, have made to say yes. yeah. not allowed to do <laughs> yeah. it, right? Um, so again, cheers to Wendell for that. Yeah. I say he saw something in me before I saw it in myself. Um, and then the way I ended up going from there to the Cardinals was I was coaching indoor when Sarah Thomas got hired as the first female ref in NFL history, or the first mm-hmm. full-time female ref in NFL history. And somebody asked Bruce Arians, um, who was the head coach of the Cardinals at the time, uh, if he could ever see a woman coaching in the NFL. And his response was simple. He said, the second a woman proves that she can make these guys better, she'll be hired. So on the prompting of my head coach, I called the Cardinals on behalf of myself, but as if I wasn't myself, um, and ended up leaving a message for Bruce saying that my head coach wanted to talk to their head coach about his comments of a woman coaching football. And though it wasn't, you know, in the Mm -hmm. NFL, um, it was in men's pro football. And, you know, I kind of thought I had gotten blown off. And yet two weeks later, he, he called back and, um, you know, said, tell me about this girl essentially. Um, And so, you know, then he invited me out to OTAs. Um, He had already done a whole lot of due diligence on me through, you know, how, how we do investigate people. Right. Right. Yep. Um, and eventually told me like, he didn't know yet if he could make it happen. Um, but he wanted me to know it was in his heart to try. So it wasn't me banging down all of the doors. Um, it was me and him and he yeah. opened that door. Um, and when he did, you know, it was, it was a magical experience. It's still probably, it is without a doubt one of the best times of my life. Um, and the players were just so amazing. Um, they really just, they were so proud to be a part of history. Right. And they were like, man, coach, we thought it was hard for us to get here, but for you, you know, and there was just such a mutual respect and love and, um, you know, I would laugh because they'd be like, man, Coach Jen's a beast on fundamentals. I'm like, yeah, 5'2". Yeah. I would have died if I wasn't, right? <laughs> like, you know, fundamentals is what we had in exactly. the Exactly. You know, so why am I going to let you be lazy and beat yourself? Yep. Um, but, you know, they always said that that, that, that stood out. And um, one, of the, one of the compliments that really meant a lot to me because it wasn't to me and it was – you know, it was later, um, um, a, a reporter, well, a journalist, I don't remember if she was a reporter or not, 
she was an alumni of the same school as Dion Buchanan. And she told him, you know, that she was going to, you know, that we were going to do a panel together. And he was like, oh, my gosh, I love Coach Jen. He's like, she really helped me uh, learn how to play linebacker undersized. Yeah. Because he had, you know, he was moving from safety to inside linebacker when I was there. And boy, oh, boy, when he first came down there, he was definitely trying to get killed by every O-lineman. Yeah. Um, and I love that about him. But I was like, man, you're going to die. Right. We need, we need a little bit like you can win on one shoulder and you can win one time against those big boys, but you can't sustain it through yeah. an entire game. Um, but well, the fact that, you know, like less about what I did, but the fact that that was his gut instinct to, to say um, about that experience, like and for me to hear that years later, because it was years later, I was just like it just showed me the power of the experience, right? Yeah. Well, and that's the great thing about football. A lot of people who who've never really played it or who just don't understand and just watch it, it is how detailed and how technique is, it can go so far that, mm -hmm. you know, over size and speed and five stars and what have you, right? And I we mm -hmm. teach that to our kids all the time. My son plays linebacker. And it's funny because his coach will say it all the time. Because you look at Oliver without his pads on, he looks like you know a nerdy kid's going to go to Harvard. Because he, he puts the pads right. on, he's going to take you out. And one of the reasons was he I mean, he can hit hard, um, but he's not a very big kid. Um, he's tall, but it's not very you know uh, muscular wise. And but he's he's a smart kid, very intelligent mm -hmm. kid, straight A kid. You tell him one thing, he knows how to do it. So when it comes down to technique, he gets it. He knows exactly how to put his hands, where his feet need to be, where his toes mm -hmm. need to be, his heels, all that. And so he'll go up someone who's a way better athlete and just level them. And it all mm -hmm. goes back to technique. And and people sure. don't get that. And I mean, you see things like that. I mean, like uh, if, I live, if I'm going to call it one of my favorite programs in college is University of Iowa, Kirk Ferentz. I mean, the guy brings in three-star players, two, two and three-star players, and look how many mm -hmm. guys they stick in the NFL. It's mm -hmm. not because they were great athletes. It's they have a program where it's about development and technique. And when you play Iowa, they don't do anything fancy, but they don't make mistakes. And they're coming right, right at you. And it's all about technique. And so so it goes down. It, you don't have to be big and strong to be able to, you know, to be the best or to teach because there are so many caveats to the game and to every single position that are so important. I think it'd be the big, you know, the difference between you being a star and a bench player. For sure. Absolutely. And you can get better every day on that, those little things because what? they become really, really big things over the course of how long you play. 1% every day. So Oliver always said every day we drive to practice. He said, okay, this is what I'm going to work on today. And he just, he focuses mm -hmm. on that in practice all day long. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's proud. It's fun to be a part of something like that. So tell me, you, you talked about the emotion. When did you realize what you had accomplished? I mean, when was the exact moment, um, you know, was it when you were walking out of a tunnel or you're in the stadium looking up and when was the moment that you realized that, wow, what I just accomplished is amazing. There were a lot of moments where you kind of like, have have reality moments right like and and they're they're big in it and i think one of the ones that really stood out to me was like the last day of camp um and like you know i was there for preseason and training camp i had a start date and an end date um and i got asked to, you know, the media guys, oh, you have to dress the media after practice, right? Which is not normal for a coach, right? Mm -hmm. And they put me up on the media box, which meant everybody was still kind of taller than me anyway. <laughs> and I mean, I'm surrounded by the microphones and everything pushing in and, you know, the cameras are flashing and all this stuff coming from a place where like, you know, in women's football, we would have loved to have like one camera there. Right. right? Yeah. Just like, is the local paper going to cover us today? Like, <laughs> and it was an overwhelming 
amount of cameras. And I realized like everyone had been waiting to talk to for you. that moment when they said like, this couldn't work. Yeah. Right. There was like a collective pause of like, something's going to go wrong or like, this is the reason why a woman can't coach. And with all of those cameras there, I just remember saying, we did the impossible and we did it well. Yeah. And that was the moment for me was like, we, we did this and the door is now open, right? Yeah. We gave them no reason to say that this is, this is something that women couldn't or shouldn't do. Right. Well, let's talk about another accomplishment. Let's talk about Madden. I mean, how does that make you feel that little girls all over the world can turn on a video game and see their likeness? You know, Madden was important to me because, you know, being a doctor of psychology and like being very aware of socialization. One of the things that I realized is like, you don't have to tell a girl she can't play football. Football suffers from sins of omission. Mm -hmm. So her not being there everywhere that she is not reinforces that she does not yes. belong. Right. Yep. And so getting to work with Madden was really powerful to me because it was like, you know, this, this esport or virtual reality, right? How, <laughs> however you. you want to look at it could change faster than reality. Right. And in doing so, it could help move the needle so that what we would like to see had an increased likelihood of happening in the future. Right? Like, how cool is that? It may be, you know, it will likely be a number of years before we see certain, you know, women in certain positions in football. And people say that, and you know this because you coach football, you know, they're like, well, why is that? I'm like, well, basketball is smoother, right? Like there's been a feeder system, you know, mm -hmm. there, is, um, there has been like college basketball with great coaches and then WNBA and more opportunities for women and men to be in parallel positions to know and appreciate each other, right? Like Becky and Pop, that's, the, yeah. that's what you hope for, right? And um, to have had that long-term mentorship and, you know, they came up, you know, she was great on her team um, and it just made sense, right? Like gender doesn't become the same barrier because you've really come up the same way. Um, football hadn't had those traditional inner points of intersection, right? Like that's why I say, right. and, you know, it wouldn't have happened at least not at that time. Um, unless I had played against guys, right? That's where my, that's where the door opened. And so football then also has just a, a complexity in terms of, you know, say being a head coach that comes from, you know, the roster size and the scouting and the, you know, the phases of the game and the positional specificities that just, exponentially grows the the parts that have to come together to be able to be that quote unquote head coach. Right. Not saying it's not going to happen, but I think we're overdue for a female as a head coach in the NBA, as opposed to, um, you know, women in football where it's, you know, um, it's still emerging. Right. Um, and so, in that video game though, like you could choose to have a female as a head coach. Yes. And the reason that you would do it is because, you know, I mean, other than it's cool to have a female, but like we also have the top rated defense. So if you in a fast play mode believe that defense is what will win it and it will a lot of the times, um, then you're going to pick team shutdown and you're going to have me as your coach. So then yes, girls can see it. Um, and they can envision themselves in football, regardless of whether it's esports yep. e or sports. Gamers can be the hero of their own story, which is important as well. And guys get more used to, like, you know, a coach is somebody who runs a team and it's not, you know, 
it's not ridiculous to think that I could have a female coach. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let's talk about your organization, the Gridiron Girls. It's an organization mm-hmm. that puts on girls' flag football camps um, where they have the opportunity to learn the fundamentals of flag football. Um, but there's more to it than just that. What else does this organization accomplish for little girls? I say it's confidence through football and teaching them that there's no game they cannot play and no field they do not belong in or on. Um, this is the first national movement for girls in flag football. That's pretty significant. Yeah. Right? Like, when I looked around, it's not that there weren't great organizations that were doing great things for girls in flag, but they were all their own little bubble. Right? Yeah. Like, and I don't say little to diminish it, but they weren't unified right like florida where i'm from was the first state to have varsity girls flag football right that's super dope but it was a pocket Mm -hmm. um new york i knew of of the new york sharks which was a woman's team up there they they've done a fins up camp for a long time but that was just in new york and what i wanted to do was to prove across the country that yes, girls did want to play. And that was, I mean, the pushback I got was, well, girls don't want to play football. No, girls have never had the opportunity to decide if they wanted to play play football. football. So can we give them the opportunity? Because right now you say, you know, I get, well, we have co-ed camps. Okay, well, so what do your co-ed numbers look like? Because I'm going to call you out. And it would be about two to four girls in a bold situation. That would be a lot, right, Yeah. of a co-ed camp of 200 kids. So you're talking 1% to 2% girls, which means they're the exception. And unless they're exceptional in skill, they're going to get made fun of. And if they haven't been socialized to the sport the same way the boys have, which means having someone who could teach them the fundamentals or would teach them the fundamentals – then they're going to get into a situation where they're inherently behind. And then what's the default? If a girl doesn't know how to throw or how to catch, what do you say? Oh, you throw like a girl. No, you actually, there is no gender specific way to throw or to catch. It's actually, you've been coached or you haven't. And so what we wanted to do was provide an opportunity to give these girls a place where they weren't the exception They were actually celebrated and it was their turn to rule and we could give them the foundations so, you know, they could have a great football day, decide if they liked it and have all of the fundamentals to be able to go out and play a flag game. Right. So that then, you know, if people were playing in the street, you know, you could go out there and catch the ball. Right. That's a different kind of confidence. If they were playing in gym, you could go. Or you might want to then go to a co-ed camp because guess what? You learned some and you want to learn yep. more. But you're you're creating a a different place for them to approach the sport. And yeah. that's been our goal. And, you know, we've been very successful. We have great relationships um, nationwide and even, you know, even globally. But um, it's really shown uh, girls in football in a different light yeah. and to be able to be one of the people having those conversations at top levels um, about not only like that the opportunity is there but what it would look like and and why we've been able to create something in a space where it was a vacuum yeah. um, to me that's what it's about yeah. right well and we actually I have a girl on our team um her name's Z. I'm going to call her out. I know she probably doesn't listen to the show. Uh, but, you know, we don't treat her any different. And I'll tell you what, she has a starting position on the offensive line, and she is amazing. Um, and a lot of, and she's, she's actually big, uh, but she's very fundamentally strong as well. There's a girl that's in our organization, and, and we're talking Georgia football, right? We're talking, you know, Metro Atlanta youth football. We're not talking, you know, the rec league. We're talking these kids. There's a lot of Division One athletes. You know, you just recognize they're gonna they're gonna play football mm-hmm. in Division One and in the NFL one day. There's a girl who made a national um, a list of one of the top ten youth players, and her, her name's Janelle, and she plays in our in our uh, park, and she's on the 12 year old team. And there's a video of her just wailing 
on these two guys where she she came off the end, just leveled the fullback, spun, sacked the quarterback. All in, it was just amazing. And she is one of the most amazing players in all the park. Not because she's a girl. She's just amazing. She, her motor goes. Mm-hmm. She's strong as hell. And it's just – but it's that we don't treat them differently. We don't sit there, oh, well, you know, the great route out here. We'll, we'll, we'll let them try. No, it's you're going to earn this. You're going to get hit. And, you know, they they do it. They excel at it because there isn't that obstacle, sure. mental obstacle from us or her parents saying, well, yeah, I'll let you do it because it's cute or whatever. No, this is something you want to do and you love it and there's no obstacles that's, you know, that you can't overcome. And both of these young women are just amazing athletes and just do a phenomenal job. That's awesome. Yeah. And that should be, right? Yeah. yeah. Why, why wouldn't they? Why couldn't they? Exactly. Right? Like those are the things I look at is like, okay, yeah, yeah, you might have to actually get them into the sport. Yeah, they may have not done it at first. So teach them. Yeah. You're a coach, right? Yeah. Like, like that's not hard. Yeah. Break them down to the, you know, break the game down, bring them into it, and create a situation where, you know, where they have a chance to compete yep. and feel good about competing. So we're talking about business. NFL, though, you know, and you're a coach. Every year football has rule changes, and obviously they're different today than they were, and it's obviously to make the game safer for the players because um, they are bigger and stronger and faster than ever before. What's one rule in college or NFL that you would like to see change or you think is an overreach and is negatively affecting the game? Is there any? Hmm. I think defensive players are at a disadvantage um, with some of the tackling rules, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially like, you know, when a running back can drop into contact um, and, and it's almost like defensive players aren't supposed to, right. um, you know, I understand head targeting rules, trust me, but if you started at one trajectory and they lower their head to another one, why is that always your fault? Right? Like certain things like that, I think make it really hard. And then, you know, particularly on quarterbacks, you know, defenders can't, can't really win, right? Like they're getting penalties for going too low. um, And then they're also getting penalties for going too high. Yeah. Right. I I don't think that that's fair. And I know that they're trying to protect the quarterbacks, but at some point, you know, if they can't go low or high, right. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, I also think that, you know, some of the pass, um, some of the receiving, um, you know, the receivers are really good at drawing penalties. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, that, you know, and they're taught to do it, that then it's like, you know, you, you get called as a defender and it's like, really, am I playing flag or is it like, because, yeah. you know, I, I just think when you that, see it. Yeah. I mean, you absolutely, there, there was, I was watching the Iowa game and they, who are they playing? They're playing Illinois and the quarterback was running to the sideline and he started to look like he's holding up, like he was going to step out. And so the defensive player kind of st- slowed down and then he the quarterback went another five six yards i mean it wasn't big out come the game uh, i will blow him out but but i said that's because the game has changed the players stopped he were normally right. used to wailed on him right you know right to the out of bounds and right. uh you know in the targeting the is that he's quote unquote giving up then you have to give up yeah right like you give up like you have to give up like yeah. you need to get out of bounds yeah and they should also like it should be right there, so they don't have an extra incentive. Yeah. Right to like do that at the sidelines. It is. It's hard. And targeting, um, and I understand targeting, but then I, you know, I, like you said, the trajectory and the speed at the way these athletes are going is just. How do you make that split? I mean, it is, it's less than a split second decision, right? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it. And and not, and I understand the rule for it, but the punishment where the kid gets tossed out of the game. You know, right. And, right. and he has to sit out, what, a half for the next game? Or do they change that? That's what it used to be. Um, and I just think, man, that is just really, really tough. Yeah, I don't know what the rule is. But, you know, I 
I think that there has to be, or, you know, the goal should be like, where is the intent? Because there's a big difference, right? Like if I am, you know, if somebody drops into, and then we have helmet to helmet contact, like, why is that the same as opposed to me going at his head? Yeah. Right. Like, because, you know, it, it's just, you know, whether it was blatant and stuff like that, I think that's where maybe the rules need to be finessed a little bit as like, you know, if he's standing straight up, yeah, he was probably targeting. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like if the guy drops down um, at last minute and braces to contact, then, you know, which is what you want to do when you're absorbing contact, right? Like yeah. then I think it should be looked at a little bit differently. Um, even if it's just in terms of how it's, it's discussed or penalized, but you know, I mean, they're going to do it. And ultimately what needs to happen is they need to have these guys play a few games without pads, um, (laughs) understand rugby style tackling and that changes things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got one last question to wrap up the show and we got, you know, I have a daughter who's a stellar soccer athlete and a track athlete as well. And she started, you know, have conversations her eighth grade summer with colleges about soccer. You know, I mean, she's, she's at a different level than I could ever imagine. And I think she's very gifted. She's currently ranked as an AAU all American in the high jump. What advice can you give her and all other girls who have dreams that might not necessarily, not even be sports related, but they want to do something bigger than what society has said they can or should do. The phrase I usually give to girls is let your game speak, right? Like let your game speak louder than what society says, what your haters say, what your doubters say. Um, Nobody owes you a spot, right? Like there's no such thing as just showing up while female. Um, But when you're good, doors will continue to open. And no, not everybody will recognize it. Make it their problem, not yours, right? If they pass on you because you're a girl, give them whiplash with your ponytail, right? (laughs) I mean, you just have to realize that when you do anything big, you will always have people who tell you, don't go so hard, don't jump so high, don't think so big. Don't let those be the voices that are loudest to you. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story and challenges. Um, This has truly been amazing. And, you know, I I greatly, greatly appreciate you coming on the show. I would love to have you be a guest member at one of our executive roundtables sometimes. I'd probably reach out to you and let you know if you want to do that. Uh, But before we end the show, is there anything you wanted to plug? Uh, Anything else? Book or anything else out there? Yeah. Um, my, the book that I wrote for, you know, kind of my life's journey is play big lessons in being limitless from the first woman to coach in the NFL. Um, it's a good read, very, um, you know, my voice and with, um, the ability to hopefully take it and translate it to your own life. Um, and then I have a kid's book series called Critter Fitter, which is essentially using Kidder critters to get kids fitter through motion and emotion. Um, Hmm. And, you know, though that was a series developed uh, through COVID. Um, So we have four books out so far. Um, The one that's probably gotten the most interest at this point is wearing a mask says, I love you. Um, And it is, it goes through all of the CDC guidelines, gives the mask a hero story and, ends with a call to action that, you know, any parent, teacher, um, et cetera, can use to help kids not only understand what's going on, but help them be a proactive, positive part of the solution. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you so, so much. The book's called Absolutely. You're very welcome. The book's book's called Play Big, right? Critter Fritter and Wearing a Mask says I love you. Says I love you. The organization's Gridiron Girls. Yep. You also have kit glass by Orly, right? It's the nail color. Oh yeah. I mean, I have several trademarks. That is one of them. Yeah. Um, yep. Which is great. And her presence is on the popular video game Madden. And you can find her mm-hmm. at 
jenwalter.com. Did I miss anything? No, I think that's it. Dr. Jen Walter, thank you for coming on the Hashtag Biz with Beard podcast. Much love, success, and positive vibes to you. I want to remind everyone who subscribes to this show, they can do so at anchor.fm biz with the beard and share it with all your friends on all your social media pages. Don't forget while you're on Anchor subscribing. If you want to feature your business by sponsoring a future episode or help support the show, all I have to do is hit listener support and we could feature you or your business at the beginning of the show. As always, I'm grateful for all of our listeners who tune in on the amazing podcast platforms out there. And that's it. Another show's in the books, but never fear. The beard will always be here. Until next time, same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to hashtag biz with the beard. Remember, every genius idea starts with a stroke of a beard. Have a successful day. Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.